2: This is Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now your co-host, MC Money, Certain the Creepy
3: Soccer Dad, and Houts, MD. And hello everybody and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is MC Money joined by Certain the Creepy Soccer Dad and Houts, MD. And the Miami Dolphins are 3-0, sole possession of first place in the AFC East, one of only four teams in the National Football League to be undefeated at this time. And yes, only two in the AFC. Besides the Kansas City Chiefs, the Miami Dolphins are undefeated in the American Football Conference. The Miami Dolphins coming off a 28-20 win over the Oakland Raiders on Sunday. It was a tough game for most of the time. A lot of injuries for the Dolphins. We're going to kind of touch on all that in in a bit. We're going to touch on the way the Dolphins are able to persevere and fight adversity Despite many questionable penalty calls, despite the Raiders running it down their throats, despite the Raiders seemingly gashing their pass defense early on in the game and throughout the second and third quarter before the Dolphins finally started clicking t- towards the end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. We're going to talk about the five plays in the five areas of the game that we thought determined the outcome. And then at the end of the show, I'm going to touch on the fact that uh, we were credentialed. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. We were credentials for this game. It was an amazing experience. I sat in for the crew, of course, Houts and Sutton having tremendous uh, support and contribution to this. While they could not be there, they deserve just as much recognition and credit for you know me being there and for the Finsider being there and for Finsider Radio being represented in. The Miami Dolphins for the past 10 to 12 years have held something called Web Weekend where they invite fan sites down to take in the game on the weekend and to kind of get an exclusive tour of the building and talk to the head coach and different alumni. I was at the very first Web Weekend about 10 to 12 years ago, and the original intent of that, it seemed, was to give these sites something to cover that normally they couldn't cover, you know, just coming from the outside. As Twitter evolved, as the internet evolved, There was really no use for Web Weekend, and as the years went on, I was at one of the last ones a few years ago, it just became one large group gathering where everybody was coming and everyone who was invited was just bringing their family, uh, kids coming, and there's nothing wrong with kids seeing great experience for the kids, but there were kids coming, spouses coming, and the whole intent of Web Weekend was to get fan sites, um, the the people who ran the fan sites, exclusive coverage, and it just kind of turned into something else, and I I don't know why the Dolphins – This Web Weekend, that's my guess, and I think this allows for greater access, and what they're doing for each home game is they're bringing three or four fan sites in and three or four people only, per one person per site, so three or four people total for each home game, and they're allowing uh, these sites and these people like myself there on Sunday to have credentials, to be a part of the media, to get all the access that a regular media reporter gets every home game and away game, so the whole shebang got into the press box, uh, sat right with the rest of the media, rest of the Dolphins media with Dolphins PR and social media staff and creative staff and the, those that were there. Um, you know, the whole the whole deal, breakfast, lunch, supper, dinner, if you want to call it that, locker room access after the game, podium access after the game, and, and just an incredible experience. I'll kind of touch on a few things here and there at the end just kind of give you guys an inside look and what it's like to be a credentialed media member. But I will say my respect for these reporters has gone up tremendously. I already had a great amount of respect before this, but seeing them hone their craft and really dive in and focus in and zero in on the task at hand of submitting their articles for the deadlines and getting all the information out at a rapid pace is just, it was amazing to watch. And while there was really no talking in the press box, there's no cheering in the press box, you could hear a pin drop throughout the entire game. The entire game, uh, these guys really do a tremendous job of you know separating business from from uh, rooting for the team. And I don't know if any of these reporters are Dolphins fans or what, but it's it's I would imagine if you're a Dolphins fan and doing this full time, it would be kind of hard. But we'll touch on all that at the very end of the show. For now, let's talk about the first thing, and that's the Miami Dolphins' inability to stop Jordy Nelson and Rashad Jones' absence. Jordy Nelson had one heck of a game, eight targets, six receptions, 173 yards over a hundred. I believe in the first quarter alone, 28 point yards per reception along of 66 and one touchdown. I mean, the good news is that they kind of slowed him down after they adjusted on everything, but you know, Sutton with, with Rashad Jones being out and Jordy Nelson coming in and just looking like the Jordy Nelson of old in his prime. What did you see with, you know, especially the miscommunication early in the game with Minka Fitzpatrick and everything else that was happening as the Dolphins secondary tried to gel in the absence of Rashad Jones?
0: That first play, it was a man one single high look with Minka playing the deep safety uh, he wasn't very deep, though. He was pretty close to the line of scrimmage, uh, probably 15 yards off if memory serves. But there's definitely a miscommunication between Zavian Howard and Bobby McCain on this play because they both take Amari Cooper. The, uh, Jordy and Amari are kind of stacked off to the left side, and they both end up taking Amari. When Xavier realizes what's happened, he then reacts to Jordy, but he's run a slant. He's already in the middle of the field. And so Jordy gets the ball in the crease, and then he just takes – he's a veteran, you know. He takes a perfect angle on Minka. Minka probably comes in a little too fast and takes too narrow of an angle um, and misses the tackle, and then Jordy's off to the races. Thank God Jerome Baker, his man didn't go out for a route. Uh, If Baker's man had gone out for a route, Baker's likely not there to make that tackle, and Jordy goes directly in for the touchdown. I know they end up scoring two plays later. And then, uh, you know, we go three and out, and they come back out, and they get another huge play to Jordy Nelson where they're in a two-by-two a two stack on each side of the field, and they just run four verticals. And for whatever reason, Bobby McCain is peeking in the backfield and gets flat-footed for a second, Jordy gets behind him. Derek Carr gives him a perfect throw, and then again off to the races. Luckily, we stopped them, and would eventually, you know, we'll get into the the next couple of plays after this. But uh, not a very good look opening up. Definitely an ominous start. I know I was worried. I don't know about you guys, but I thought, oh my God, Derek Carr's going to break the NFL single season passing record in the first half against us. What's going on here?
3: Yeah, I mean. When we were, you know, sitting in the press box, it was like, wow, it's a Swiss cheese. And I asked Mika Fitzpatrick in the locker room after the game, I said, coming in, you, you were in college at Alabama playing back as safety. You come to the NFL, you get moved to the slot cornerback position. And I asked him, you know, how how was it going back there for the first time in your NFL career as a starter? And and he said that there was some adjustment going on to begin the game. So and you mentioned Bobby McCain, yes, he had that slip up there, that miscommunication. Jordy Nelson kind of flew right by him there. But again, after that first quarter, he got, he got, Jordy Nelson got a few more, but really the Dolphins were able to adjust and keep him in check throughout the remainder of the game for the most part. But it looks early on there that Jordy Nelson was, he had a great day. It looked like he was going to break some records though, as the Dolphins could not find a way to stop him early on. Now, moving towards the other parts of the defense, where you look at the defensive line, how it's Vincent Taylor, Devon Godshaw, they've helped, transition the run defense and even made their presence known in the passing game as well. But after Ndamukong Suh has left for the Los Angeles Rams, many people thought that the dolphins would suffer. And when we we're in preseason, then people were saying, Oh, the dolphins run defense, look at, they're getting gashed. And we hear on Finnsider radio said, that's really not the case. Uh, the run defense is improving every single week. And Adam Gase has said that He understands the big picture, and he wasn't worried about it. And as we've seen through the first three weeks, the Dolphins' run defense has done a pretty good job. Devon Godshaw, three tackles on Sunday, three of them solo. Vincent Taylor, seven total tackles, four assists, three solo. But really, I want to touch on that fourth down play, fourth and one in the first quarter where the Oakland Raiders got the ball with 11.50 to go in the first quarter. And they were driving down the field. They started at their own four-yard line, which is first ridiculous uh, that they were able to drive down the entire field. So they finally get down to the eight-yard line, and Marshawn, middle, Marshawn Lynch up the middle for a negative one yard. Vincent Taylor with the stop. Timeout taken by Oakland. Second and nine, Derek Carr pass incomplete short middle. Third and nine, Derek Carr passes to Jarrett Cook for eight yards. Then you're at the fourth and one on the Miami one. And everyone's probably thinking, okay, Marshawn Lynch is probably going to run it in. But, no, they bring out their fullback, Smith, uh, right guard to Miami. Uh, This is the play here. Kenny Smith, right guard to Miami, one for no gain. And look at Devon Godshaw and Akeem Spence with that stop right there to prevent the Raiders from going up 14-0. And if they go up 14-0 there, who knows how the game would have turned out at that point. But Devon Godshaw with the saving tackle there and cleaned up by Akeem Spence. So for you, how it's looking at Godshaw and Taylor and the rest of the defensive line, they've really stepped up their game over the past few weeks. How do you see that continuing, but especially in the Raiders game?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how it's going to continue because we lost a good one today, and William Hayes is out for the year with a torn ACL. But you got to give credit where credit is due. and Devon Godshaw, Vinnie Taylor, Uh, Akeem Spence. I mean, those guys up front, uh, really, this team isn't missing a beat with Ndangwinsu. In fact, they're better against the run this year than they were last. So, uh, hats off to those guys. Hats off to Matt Burke. I mean, you see better linebacker play. You see better play up front. So that kind of attests to why the run game is where it is now. As for that fourth and one, I mean, when are teams going to learn that if you have Marshawn Lynch, you give him the ball, you give him the rock at the one-yard line. They failed to do so. They gave it to the fullback. Uh, Miami was in an all-out blitz. They knew it was a run up the middle. I think everyone did. And uh, for not to go to Marshawn Lynch, uh, I think Dolphin fans were, had breathed a sigh of relief with that. But uh, Devon godchal has been playing out of his mind. Uh, Akeem Spence, you know, He had that penalty that got him kicked out of the game. I mean, that's on him. But overall, you got to be happy with that defensive line play, especially from two rookies from last year that, you know, those were two guys that the Dolphins drafted in the later rounds. They were brought in to kind of groom behind the Gatsu. They ended up getting rid of Sue this year. Hats off to Devon Godchal and Vinny Taylor because if it wasn't for them, this run defense won't be where it's at. Dolphins will have a
3: good test against the Patriots. Sonny, Michelle, you have – Rex Burkhead, who may not play due to an injury, but James White as well, who is a very good um, guy catching balls out of the backfield. Dolphins' defensive line would have their hands full with them, but they did a great job wrapping up Marshawn Lynch. Yes, Marshawn Lynch is an older dude, but he has a lot of power, but the Dolphins' run defense kind of stood their own there. With um, Marshawn Lynch getting 64 yards and 19 attempts, averaging 3.4 and holding him under 70 yards. Doug Martin, 43 yards. So total 109 yards, but individually, when you look at the running backs for the Raiders, a few big runs here and there, for the most part, of the Dolphins' run defense did their job. Moving back to the secondary, Xavier Howard, and he currently leads the NFL in interception and completely erased Amari Cooper on Sunday. Before we get into the talk of whether he's a top-five cornerback in the NFL, and before we talk about, let's just look at the stats here. First of all, two interceptions. But Amari Cooper, uh, yes, Amari's been up and down over the past few years, but he was targeted five times. Cooper caught only two of those for a total of 17 yards. And along on that was nine. Now, Xavier Howard first intercepted Raiders quarterback Derek Carr on a deep pass with a 158 left in the first quarter. And again, in the end zone with 259 remaining in the fourth quarter to negate a go-ahead scoring opportunity. After picking off Jets quarterback Sam Darnold in week two, Howard now has three interceptions on the year. He recorded consecutive multi-interception games in weeks 13 and 14 of the 2017 season, helping lead Miami to home wins over Denver and new England. Howard has seven interceptions in the past eight games, the most in the NFL since week 13 of the 2017 season. I had the opportunity to talk to Xavier after the game in the locker room, and he kind of explained the interception late in the game that just, pretty much sealed the game for the dolphins. And he said it was a tight space and he was just trying to do a double move. And he ended up reading the quarterback the whole time and Carr left the ball in the air and Xavier just took advantage of it at the end of the game there. When Xavier was asked, he was told, well, you might not win the game without that. So how emotional was it? Xavier wasn't shy about saying he said that was a game changer. That meant everything. I think we took the soul out of them. When I caught that interception, our offense got on the field and attacked and scored. That's what it was all about. This secondary Sutton and Houts, they had nine interceptions last year. This year, they already have seven in three games. So going back to all that Sutton, is he a top five cornerback in the NFL? Is he one of the best shutdown cornerbacks the Dolphins have had since Sertain and Madison? And, you know, just his overall day against the Oakland Raiders.
0: I'd like to see um him. play for an entire another season before I start comparing them to the Madisons and Sertans of the world I mean they have such a special place in my heart that it's going to be tough for X uh, no matter how good of a year he has really to start making that measurement until uh, next year but certainly a, a welcome surprise for us and if anything because of we weren't sure what's going to happen at the cornerback two position. And, you know, I think most of us would admit that we're playing a nickel guy boundary and Bobby's doing playing some pretty good football, but I think we would rather see him at the nickel corner. So to have a guy really locking down one side of the field, or in this instance, shadowing Amari Cooper, I believe he shadowed him about 75% of the time. Um, You know, the, the Miami defense, was on the field for 76 plays, and we only had 44 plays on offense. So really have to look at what the defense did in this game to be able to, A, generate turnovers, and and B, uh, flip field position a couple of times. And one of the, the the first Zavian interception is Derek Carr inexplicably throws it into triple coverage, and Amari Cooper even bails on the route. So Zavian just finishes it off and returns it back to the 43 completely flips field position on us. And we don't uh, would have liked to see the offense capitalized right after that, but we end up getting the stills touchdown that 34, 34 yard pass to Kenny stills down the left boundary that happened the next drive after this. So that definitely uh, helped flip the momentum a little bit too, because we were talking about how well Oakland started off the game and then you know, the second Xavian interception against Martavis Bryant in the back corner of the end zone. I mean, Xavier basically just boxes him out and and gets inside position and jump balls it, gets both feet in bounds. It kind of reminded me of uh, Tony Lippitt's interception against the Chargers a few years ago where he was able to get both of his feet in the back of the end zone and, and secure the interception for us. But like Xavier said, like you quoted him. What a huge play because that came on the back of the, the Wilson, the Grant trick play. And then, you know, you get that interception, which is huge. And then we would end up turning that into some points afterwards. So just a huge, huge, huge part of the game.
3: Another guy that's going to the offensive side now that is making his name known is Albert Wilson and Jakeen Grant. That pair right there is going to be a tremendous Weapon for the dolphins as they move throughout this season and how it's inside. I'm going to get your opinion on both of this because we're going to combine two things here. We're going to combine his touchdown pass to Jakeem Grant, And we're going to talk about that trick play and whether or not it's the greatest trick play since the wildcat was unleashed back in 2008. And is he the best backup quarterback on the roster? Maybe, maybe not, but we're also going to discuss the dagger, the Albert Wilson, 74 yard catch and run that put a fork in Oakland and the high five, the high five heard around the world, so to speak. So let me just run down a few things here, and then I'm going to have both of you just kind of talk about it. So with 7:18 remaining in the game, Tannehill hands it off to Gore, who then flips it to Wilson, who then, Jakeem Grant, I mean, the dude was wide open. When I say wide open, he was wide open. He's streaking down the field, and I think he's going to stay towards the sideline and just outrun the defender, but he cuts back inside, which I thought was a little uh, shaky there, but he was able to break the tackle surprisingly and then rolls up in the end zone as the defender brings him down. So that trick play for the 52 yard touchdown, that was very interesting because Adam Gaze said he's took that from Mike Martz's offense. When Mike Martz ran it back in the day. Now that play marked the longest touchdown pass by a non quarterback in dolphins history. And it was Wilson's first pass completion of his career. With a 74-yard touchdown reception later in the fourth quarter, Wilson became the first Dolphins player to throw and catch a touchdown pass in the same game after Mark Clayton, who threw a 48-yard touchdown pass to wide receiver Mark Duper and caught a 14-yard touchdown pass from Dan Marino against Buffalo in 1983. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, Wilson became the fourth player in NFL history to record a passing and receiving touchdown of 50-plus yards in the same game. The three previous players to accomplish this feat are David Patton in 2001, Tom Tracy in 1960, and Jimmy Konzelman in 1923. Jakeem Grant finished the day with a pair of touchdown receptions, with the other coming on a shovel pass from Ryan Tannehill. With 55 seconds left in the third quarter, Grant's performance gave him his first multi-touchdown game of his career. (coughs) Sutton, we'll start with you and then move to Houts, but your just thoughts on... Albert Wilson and JaKeem Grant becoming this dynamic duo here in Miami.
0: Oh, it was great to see. Just see different playmakers making plays for the Miami Dolphins. What more could you ask for? And when we went into this game, as we were previewing this game, I would noticed week one the Los Angeles Rams using a lot of jet sweep motion and their attack against Oakland, and it was working. And it looked like Miami saw something there week one because we had two very successful shuffle passes you know they go in the record books is Tannehill? um i think that the first one to grant was around 20 yards and then this one of course was the the last one to wilson was for 74 yards so there's 100 yards and two touchdowns where Tannehill's not doing much other than doing a shuffle pass so good good for him but uh they definitely use that jet sweep motion to devastating effect getting east and west on them uh Jakeem Grant was able to get outside. Great blocking on that play as well. And then this Albert Wilson one, just gorgeous blocking. You had Durham Smythe doing his job. You saw Mike Jasicki doing his job. Tunsil, Gore, even Jesse Davis was able to use his athleticism and kind of get that crease as wide as possible for Wilson to just get through there and get to the end zone. Then you said like the, the high five at the end. I know if I went in for a touchdown and you guys were there with me, I'd probably high five you guys too.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, heading into this season, we all knew who Jakeem Grant was. We knew he was a speedster, kind of showed up late last season and showed the potential he had. And, uh, you know, he mossed uh, Malcolm Butler when they played on Monday night. We all remember that, but Albert Wilson, he was kind of an unknown. I don't even think Kansas City chiefs fans knew what they had in him. Uh, The only reason I heard of him was when I'd watched Travis Kelsey play. I remember him getting some catches. So, uh, Albert Wilson was a bit of an unknown heading into the year. Dolphins gave him a three-year, $24 million deal. Some people were up in arms about that. But, I mean, early on, you see this this man's just making plays. He's, he's out there. He made eight receptions this season, 142 yards, two touchdowns. He threw the touchdown pass. Uh, the biggest thing to me is the snap differential. I mean, it's been going around Twitter all day. Albert Wilson was on the field for 10 snaps. Jakeem Grant was on the field for nine snaps. I mean, you have those guys out there, and when they're out there, they're making plays. Uh, That 54-yard touchdown pass to Albert Wilson, that was the play I lost my voice. I never said the F-word so many times. Uh, It was incredible to see. Is it the best play since the Wildcat? I think so. I think it was one of those perfectly designed plays. The Dolphins knew what they had. You heard Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson they talked about. They knew it was a touchdown all along. Uh, It it was awesome to see, and that kind of deflated the Raiders there. They drove downfield the Xavier Howard interception, who I do think he is turning into one of the top five backs in the NFL Uh, And then they gave that end around or shovel pass, whatever you want to call it, to Albert Wilson, who just put the nail in the coffin. That high five just kind of sealed the deal and it just shows you what kind of team we have this year. I mean, last year we had these playmakers, these guys who they were a little bit overpriced. They were the big names and but it didn't seem like a really a family type vibe. And now the culture's changed a bit. Uh, You got guys like Albert Wilson, and King Grant high five and you just see the smiles on their face. They're having fun. Uh, It's awesome to see. Like I said, I'd like to see him out there a bit more, maybe take some snaps away from Parker, Amendola, whoever it may be. But overall, it was awesome. Uh, Two touchdowns from both of them. Uh, I'm not sure how those go down as a pass from Tannehill, but I'm sure he'll take it in the statistic book. But overall, those two plays, uh, that ultimately changed the game, and that's the reason the Dolphins got a W on Sunday.
0: The trick play from Wilson to Grant, you saw Tannehill get a little block in too, so everybody was doing their part.
3: When I talked to Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson after the game in the locker room, I asked Jakeem, I said, Jakeem, it looked like you slowed down a little bit uh, to catch up to Albert, not to catch up, but for Albert Wilson to catch up to you. And Jakeem said, no, man, I was just so happy to see Albert Wilson with wide open field that I, I just wanted to be in that moment with him and, and give him that, you know, that high five and to really celebrate there. I mean, obviously it wasn't planned or anything because Albert Wilson, you know, said it was, uh, um, Homage to a, a former teammate. I forget who exactly off the top of my head here, but it was something that he did in Kansas City. So, you know, that came up there and, and it was a great shot. Pictures are all over the place. It was funny in the locker room. We asked Albert Wilson, he said, um, when you scored that final touchdown, could you see in the Raiders' faces sort of them resign? And he said, they got behind me so quick, I didn't really see their faces. So, Albert Wilson throwing a little shade there at the Raiders and showing a little swagger. And, you know, that dynamic duo there, Albert Wilson, has been a tremendous asset for Miami. And we're looking forward to a lot of big plays from this duo as we move forward. A few more notes before we wrap up the show. Quarterback Ryan Tannehill went 17 of 23 for 289 yards and three touchdowns in the win. He finished with a pass rating of 155.3, recording the second highest single game efficiency mark in Dolphins history with a minimum of 20 attempts. Tannehill posted a 158.3 rating in a win over Houston on 10-25-2015, but attended just 19 passes in that game. Ryan Tannehill is now 10-1 in his last 11 starts, which is tied with Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz for the best mark by a starting quarterback in the NFL. Tannehill has thrown for multiple touchdowns in seven of his last eight games played. Kenny Stills and Ryan Tannehill hooked up again in the end zone for a 34-yard score to tie the game at seven early in the second quarter. This touchdown gave Kenny Sills his 14th scoring reception of 20 more yards since 2016, extending his lead for the most such touchdowns in the NFL over that span. Frank Gore played in his 199th career game on Sunday, moving to ninth place for games played by a running back in NFL history. By starting on Sunday, Gore extended his consecutive game streak started to 111, the longest active streak by an NFL offensive skill player. He also extended his consecutive games play streak to 115, which is also the longest by an NFL offensive skill player. And Kenyon Drake appeared in his 34th consecutive game, which is tied for the fifth longest active streak among NFL running backs. Rough day for the running offense, but passing offense really stepped it up. And even with the trickery there, I know Tannehill was credited with two touchdowns where there are really more kind of handoffs there. But in the stat box, it's a touchdown. So we're going to call it a passing touchdown. 65, 667 tickets distributed in the game. Temperature at Hard Rock Stadium: 90 degrees at kickoff, tying the 10th warmest game in Dolphins history, warmest home game the Dolphins have played since September 1st, 1996. And Kiko Alonso totaled 15 tackles on the day, increasing his total for the season to 34. Now, I said at the beginning of the show, I was credentialed. I was there. I am hopeful the Dolphins will invite me back down for another game later this season, but. I mentioned a lot of it up front. It was a tremendous experience. I have a newfound respect for all of the people who do this on a full-time basis. A lot of the people behind the scenes, I tweeted out a bunch over the last 24 hours or so on at NFL on Twitter. So be sure to check it out there. I know we're running out of time here on the show, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. We'll probably talk about it more during the preview show against the New England Patriots, but it was a once in a lifetime experience And it it was really an honor to be there. And I thank the Miami Dolphins for allowing me to come down. We'll have a recap of different events that happened before the game later this week on the FinCider.com and on the podcast, some interviews with some community members. And, you know, it was really just a tremendous, tremendous day and a great game to cover. And it was a day I will never forget. We didn't really touch on the injuries, boys, but William Haynes out for this season. A.J. Derby out with a foot injury, and definitely Chase Allen day-to-day with a foot injury, and Andre Branch out day-to-day with a knee injury. They may miss the game against the New England Patriots. We're going to touch on that a lot more in our preview show versus the Patriots, which will be released on Wednesday morning, but it is something to watch for the Dolphins as we move forward. Any last thoughts on the Raiders game? How's and inside?
0: No, just take a moment to uh, soak in the fact that you root for the 3-0 and AFC East leading by two games, Miami Dolphins. And these moments have proved to be fleeting over the last couple of decades. So just remember to take a step back and enjoy this.
1: Yep, absolutely. Enjoy the win. Uh, but let's look ahead to the New England Patriots. They Dolphins have a legit chance of bearing them this weekend. It's not going to be that easy. They're angry after that Uh two two losses in a row especially to detroit so enjoy this win now but it's going to be a tough tough game come sunday
3: for certain the creepy soccer down on how md IMMC money thank you for listening to fint cider radio we'll talk to you on wednesday morning Fitsider Radio, part of the Fitsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the
2: Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami
1: To listen to podcasts, check it out.